So you got your, your Harry Styles shirt on. My what? Your Harry, Harry Styles, Styles shirt. shirt. Oh yes, Harry Styles. <laughs> okay. I heard something about Harry is styled, and I'm like, no, it's not. But okay, thanks for the compliment. Anyways, hello, boys, girls, friends, neighbors, babies, and babies. Um, <laughs> You've been working on that, haven't you? No, I oh. came up with it while I was walking uh, up honestly, the stairs in the restroom. Oh, okay. I see. So you've been working on it. Since three minutes ago. Got Two it. seconds ago, actually. <laughs> I walked in the room and I went, oh, maybe I should say that. That'd be cute. Oh, like but anyways, it. welcome to Semi Book Podcast, Woo. where we talk about things that are book and some things that are ish. Mm-hmm. Today is a book episode, I hope. Largely, um, <laughs> I would imagine. You I mean, would think that, but you know huge, we go off the rails sometimes. Yeah, it's a huge subject that is expanding <laughs> beyond so, books. So uh, let's start off by asking the main question of life. Grant, what are you reading? Oh, at the moment I'm not reading anything. I'm taking a <laughs> I feel like that's like a whole entire like, theme. Yes, every the week the there's at least <laughs> someone not reading something, which yeah. is fine. It's Look at the times we live in. <laughs> no, I'm I, I'm still reading Art and Artist by uh, mm. Rank. I'm still yeah. pleading the fifth until I finish it. Sure, that's um, fair. Is it pretty dense? It is dense. Oh. Uh, I think. Is that, it like thick dense or is it like word dense? Both. Um, oh well, no wonder. I think <laughs> no wonder. No, no. There's, there's stuff both of you guys would find interesting. Like I think you would like the cultural stuff. You would like mm. the uh, art history involved. Yeah, in I, it. I, I oh, like yeah. obsess. I would probably love both actually. Mm-hmm. Art and artist, you said. Art and artist, yeah. By Otto Rank. Okay. Yeah, so what, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so outside of books, um, I recently saw The Zone mm-hmm. of Interest in theaters, which yes. I have talked with. Tony previously. Yeah. Um, which is a very, very good movie. It's definitely an audio-visual experience, so if you have an opportunity to see it in theaters, i recommend it. Okay. Um, it's rated PG-13, but it is very, very heavy thematic, thematically. Sure. Um, so PG-13, but don't exactly bring your 13-year-old to it if you don't think they can handle it. Yeah, if, if, if they can handle it, <laughs> fine, take them, you know. Um, That's true. Because yeah. I feel like maybe your 13-year-old should see it because, you know, I'm sorry, 13 is too old to not understand the cost of things like Holocaust and Oh, to be honest, I had absolutely no idea what this movie was about. That's why that's why I brought that's why I brought it out. I want I want people to understand that your 13-year-old is not going to fall apart if they understand that, hey, war kills people. Mm -hmm. Lots of people. (laughs) When I was 13, our my social studies teacher sprung uh, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas movie on us without actually telling us what it was about. He just, like, sprung the movie. I hate that movie. Yeah. Um, I have been encouraged. I was a little bit traumatized when I watched it. I have been encouraged to read the book because the, the tactics be- that the, books utilize, the book utilizes, which you would utilize in a book, are almost impossible. Not, okay, I shouldn't say that. Are difficult to translate to film. Mm-hmm. So what they decided to do in the movie, from what I can tell anyway, is take the cheap shot route and make all this imagery happen on two levels so that if you are somehow, I don't know how, but if you are somehow a five-year-old like the protagonist of the book and watching this movie, you're going to see one thing and everyone who's old enough to know what the word Holocaust means is going to look at that imagery and go, wait a minute, how come this kid doesn't know that his house is in front of a... Oh. Here's the thing, I don't even know if... I don't even remember in eighth grade... No, because... 8th and 7th grade was U.S. history. We hadn't even gotten to 
that portion yet. He just showed us the movie as our introduction into that portion so, of seriously? life. Seriously? So you hadn't even gotten to World War II yet? No. Like oh, your the, teacher's awful. Yeah, and so I was, I, I mean, so as somebody who is, I, I see movies and sometimes I will reach the plot point, the main like plot and where it's going before like everyone else does, well, yeah, before yeah. the even movie gets there, but that's just because my brain operates weirdly sometimes. It's an ADHD thing. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I reached the, oh, this kid's gonna, spoiler alert, but like, oh, this kid's gonna die, right? Yeah. And so I reached that point far in advance. Like, at, like, the first quarter of the movie, I just went, oh, this is not going to end well. I this should is not have arrived well. at that point far sooner than I did. And I sat there, oh, and I'm watching it in class, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Why are the... Ad-? So my brain is, like, I'm 13, but my brain is doing the, why are the adults actually adulting? <laughs> But unfortunately, what you find out as you get older is the adults are adulting. They're just adulting for the wrong side of history. Uh, So there's that. And they're also just like not adulting like parent wise. Because I'm like, how do you not know where your five year old is? I mean, if you're comfortable enough to either be the guy doing the Holocaust thing or marry to and have children with the guy doing the Holocaust thing. And then your house is literally like just a hop in jump. front of the of Auschwitz right. like right I'm but pretty like sure my brain is just sitting there worrying just about where your five-year-old is may not be on your <laughs> top but that was my main thing like I'm sitting there just going why is the adult not like, oh but zone of and interest, then I get to the end and I, then I started crying so zone of interest is interesting not just because it's a holocaust film right mm-hmm. what is it like bring us into yes. your so, without spoiling the effect you know yeah. it ties yeah. me into actually going to the theater and watching this movie honestly okay what, yeah, so what so so like I said before, it's, it's definitely an audiovisual experience. Um, I will say it's a capital A art film. So go go in knowing that it's going to it's it's a challenging picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you follow this family throughout their you know day to day lives, just their mundane activities mm-hmm. and conversations and everything. They have a beautiful garden, yada mm-hmm. yada yada. They just happen to live at Auschwitz, <laughs> and the father is the commandant of Auschwitz. <laughs> It's literally the same plot. <laughs> it's yes. just like, yeah. They just happen to live but in the camp. But it's handled differently. <laughs> it, 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 it is. Right? I, I would imagine. Okay. So it, I've, it's I've, handled differently. Uh, yeah, From what you told me, it's handled differently. Yes. Yeah. So, all, so the horror and the beauty of the movie comes mm-hmm. from the uh, what you don't see, which I find very unique in this. Because you never see any of the prisoners. You never see any of oh. the atrocities. You constantly hear it in the background. Oh! So so all all of these banal conversations between a father and son or whatever. And then you're hearing all that in the background. Yeah, and you're like, because like, you as an audience member know what's happening. What's yeah. happening, and then occasionally. Oh, I, that's I, fun. You know what? I actually won't spoil spoil Don't. it. There's a few. But that really cool sounds moments, but. interesting on how they like portray that. Like yeah. it's it's different, right? No, it's yeah, yeah. It's a very bold movie to get a 
somewhat wide release. So yeah, if you can find a place where it's showing, I'd say go see it. I had to go to Ypsilanti to see it, but Ypsilanti, Ypsilanti, Tony. Oh, well, can I Wait, say one more yes. thing? Not, not about that, but I want to congratulate the Lenaway District Library for joining the podcast game. Yay! <laughs> oh, yay! That is exciting. I didn't realize they had a podcast. Yeah, they're yeah. starting a podcast now. Oh, yep. fun! I don't, I, I'm not sure if the whole podcast is going to be about this, but the first episode is like the history of the Lenaway District Library. Oh, it's, Oh, that's kind of cool. Seems very cool, so give them a listen as well. Nice. Tony. Awesome. Okay, so what am I reading? Um, funnily enough, yay! I'm actually reading something which I just started a couple of days ago. I was listening to it over lunch. It's the audiobook for... Yeah, you were telling me about this. Yes, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Yes, world, I'm behind. (laughs) I don't care. But this is what happens when you are behind, because you get to read it in isolation. And you get to read it outside of the hype. And exactly, which is what I prefer to do anyway. um, And I honestly just started it on a lark the other morning because I was awake and Mm -hmm. Joe was not awake and I needed to do something that wasn't noisy. So I was like, I'm a reader. (laughs) Listen to an audiobook. Headphones in. Here we go. Exactly. Because it's hard to keep your headphones quiet enough for mm-hmm. someone who's sleeping next to you unless you're listening to an audiobook. Anyway, all that long rambling story was to say I started listening to it. I'm five chapters in. The thing that I love about this book so far, I love everything, but the thing that I love about this book the most is its humor. It has a really pratchet sense of humor um, without skimping on quality because in order to be comp- comparable to Terry Pratchett, you have to be good. Um, so he is he's very good it reminds me very much of like a Diana Wynne Jones book as Ooh. told by Terry Pratchett Cute. and unless you've read both of them you don't really understand that, the fine the line name. you know like Pratchett has an enviable like ability to control exactly where the story is going to go but make you feel like you don't know where it's going to go mm-hmm. even though by the time you get through to it you're like oh yeah of course it had to go that direction but the way he's spinning it is more interesting than what he's telling you mm-hmm. whereas Diana Wynne Jones has this incredible ability to just drop you into absolute hijinks give you no explanation except well this person probably hated this person and that's why they cursed them and you're like but what but, 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 what and then you just go off that for the rest of the book because she's not going to give you any any answers until the last third of the book where she just throws her stuff at you and you're like I'm confused and then you're not confused and then you're delighted and then you know all the things but yeah so it's the similar kind of thing where he's using the Pratchett sense of humor in the house in the Cerulean Sea to tell a story that's just very weird the closest I can think of in terms of an example is if you felt like there should have been a therapist at Hogwarts and then they hire a muggle. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. That's kind of what it feels like, except it's more of like, instead of it being a school, it's a um, it's an orphanage mm-hmm. on this island where you're not really sure like how magical is the island, but the fact that the person that picks him up from the train station is an island sprite. Mm-hmm. And he only knows this because he's seen magical children in all these other orphanages. So like he's a regular average um, social worker mm-hmm. who's just really good at his job. And they finally are like, okay, cool, we're gonna give you a promotion. But his promotion is to send him in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to take care of 
six to to report on six children in an orphanage on an island he's never heard of before that has lots of magic stuff happening like he just had an encounter with a garden gnome <laughs> that makes me laugh also the cat's name is Calliope yes he has a cat Calliope? whose name is Cal- Calliope like Cute. the muse yes oh. and the cat is already my favorite but I also love the main character's name is Linus Baker mm-hmm. there is a Linus and Lucy joke already and you're not ready for it like I thought I was ready I was like oh is that a Linus and Lucy oh did my god did you have to find a clever way to absolutely like and not just a clever way of like oh this is clever it's like clever for the world that you're in like it's the kind of joke that only works if you're reading it if you're reading it inside the context of that world and it makes within five chapters he's done that like within five chapters he's told a standard Linus and Lucy joke that is only funny if you actually know his world and I'm like that's that's good like that's that's really like He's a really good writer. So anyway, The House in the Cerulean Sea, if you're like me and haven't read it, you should. It's a scream. I'm living. Anyway, Erin, what are you reading? Uh, so, um, first of all, I started reading our book club pick, which is Project Hail Mary, and I'm only 13% in. Um, and I realized Alice has told me that this is on purpose because the main character doesn't know his name. But I don't like the fact so far that he's had. I had to read 36 pages without this character knowing their name. And not knowing what I'm supposed to call this character. And all that I get for 36 pages is robot and man talking to each other. And the robot asking him questions and him not knowing the answers because he's been sure. in a coma. Sure. Which is fine, but, like, I'd like to know my character's name, please. Yeah. Um, so, for a little bit of a palate cleanser... Um, palate cleanser indeed um because <laughs> it was right next to it on my kindle um i'm also reading god killer by hannah kanner oh yeah, yeah um, and so here's the thing i absolutely adore what they're doing right now okay. which is weird because all of the books so far that i've read for other things i've either been meh about or i've always had something where i'm like i hate this right now yeah so this is one so far where i honestly do not have any faults so far um, I am only on, God, what is this, chapter four. Um, but the premise of this book is uh, the main character, Kissin. Um, yeah. She, so a long time ago in this, like, the land that they're called, it's a country, it's called Midran. Yeah. And Midran used to have, like, a whole bunch of gods. Like, gods were, like, a big thing. Like, you had people who worshipped, like, the water god, and then the fire god, and then, like multiple other things um kissin whose family was like in like basically worshiping the water god because like they were living next to the water yeah um their like house was burned down by a bunch of people who were worshiping the fire god and her whole entire family burned in that house Oh. She was also going to be burned in that house, except her father made a deal with the ocean god, who was not coming to their aid whatsoever, that he would give up his life to spare hers. Uh-huh. And so now she has basically, like, this whole entire promise that, like, is written upon her from being saved by the god. Yes. However, after that incident and multiple other incidents around Midran, the king outlaws gods... Right. In general. Right. In that if you are found worshipping one, you are to be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And 
there are certain types of soldiers called Vega, and they go out and they go kill the gods. Ah, killer. killer right Kissin is all gung-ho for this, especially after what happened to their family, and sure. is one of the Vega. Right. Except, so it opens with that scene with the prologue of them all dying. Mm-hmm. Next scene, next chapter is like them actively being a Vega. Yeah. Um, and without spoiling too much, um, there is a little girl, and she, some for some weird reason, has this little tiny like mouse god like attached to her. Mm. Like right. they are like mentally like linked. Linked. Yeah. And it's weird, and she can't go tell like any other soldiers or report on it because either she gets imprisoned or the god gets killed, or right. mom gets imprisoned, and you know. Yeah. That. There's all so kinds of consequences. She, hears that Kissin is in the tavern and basically goes and like sits down and accosts Kissin is like, I need your help. I need you to help me do this thing. To help her like fix this problem that she has to sever the link and then figure out why they're connected because this hasn't been found before. Right. So this is something that's brand new. And then the king on the meanwhile, from this chapter, from what I can see, uh, possibly has a thing with a fire god, and it's keeping him alive, but it's slowly dwindling. Okay, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of other things going on, and to be honest, I love the way that this is written so far. Oh, that's cool. It's all in third person. Yeah. Which is... Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all in third person, and there's a good mix between, like... The opinion of the character that the chapter is following mm-hmm. and the description and sure. action that is actively happening. Like, yeah. there is a, it, this is like towing the real fine line of like being too much and too little. Mm. And it is perfectly within that line. Wow. That's hard um, to balance, actually. It, this is like a really good balance so far. Nice. Um, and then, meanwhile, I'm also reading a fan fiction called Manacled, um, and I'm reading it for a reason. <laughs> And it is a Harry Potter fan fiction. It's Germani fan fiction. Um, there's a reason I'm actually reading it, even though I hate the ship in general. And it is a Handmaid's Tale-esque, like, think book seven doesn't exactly happen the way you think it does. Uh, Harry ends up losing, and Hermione ends up being a surrogate a la Handmaid's Tale, and it's Draco. It has a happy ending, apparently. Do I know what it is? Absolutely not. However, this is, remember how I talked about the books that were being bound and sold on Etsy and stuff uh-huh. the, the other week? Yeah. Um, this is that book. Oh. Um, I downloaded it off Mayo 3 because, you okay. know, you can do that legally That's, for free yeah, right. without That's having to buy point. and sell it. However, the author is taking it down in 2024, and it's going to get reworked and is being going to be published as an actual book. So I'm reading the fan fiction now, so when the book gets published, I can read it and I'm do a little like, so what are we doing? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, you know what, I'm just gonna... Speaking of terrible romance novels... Um, I mean, is it supposed to be romantic? It doesn't sound like it. It's, it's a ship. It's a shipped thing. I don't think it should be one, but I have so many people who have read it. Tell me like, once you've read it how shippy it is, because it doesn't not. sound very shippy to me. I read the tags. It's not. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but I, I know say, that people ship it anyways. But speaking of romances and ships and yes. OTPs and things like that, we're talking about romance today. <laughs> Love is in the air. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. It's February. Exactly. It's February. Actually, oh, that should be the title of the podcast. Love is on the airwaves. Ooh, that's that's cute. Yeah, that, 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 we just, isn't that cute? I think it's Yeah. Love is on the um, airwaves. So are we talking a romance mm-hmm. stories in general? Yeah. Okay. Romance media, romance stories. What's sure. your favorite type of romance? Because I know there's multiple different types that are underneath right. it. Yes, that's true. Now, listeners, we did have this episode like ages back. But like yeah. we're reworking it because re-working now there's it, yeah. only three of us yes. and we might have different opinions from last time. Yeah, and also the recording quality of that one wasn't all that great. So this is your chance to get a, you know, upgraded recorded quality. I don't know. Go back and listen to the Why last one. Some stuff was said. I do have a <laughs> You don't have to listen to me yelling into my phone. For... <laughs> were you yelling into your phone? I was yelling. I was also <laughs> yelling into my it's fine. I get it. I get it. I didn't have, you know, those lovely little earbuds yet. But anyway. All right, so favorite, because, you know, the live action of Avatar The Last Airbender dropped a trailer. I thought it was canceled. No, 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 no. The, oh. the, the original creators of the show, of the original series, walked out years ago. And Netflix was, Netflix was like, we still have the... So you're just leaving this here with us? Cool. We're going to go ahead. Yeah, I've been and looking... And I have I've been, been li- so irritated until that trailer because I'm like... Y'all gonna mess it up. Y'all gonna no, because of what up. they were saying. Because they're like, we're not gonna do this and this. Yeah, and, I and then I like, watched the trailer, oh, and I I saw the trailer, and I was like, Twitter can have several seats because Twitter's losing their minds. They're upset. They're like, but they said, and they said, and they said. I was like, I don't care what they said. The TikTok's, trailer says TikTok also is losing. I'm in so. love, and I just want because what people want is they want a cartoon. And I'm like, if you want a cartoon, go watch pull the out, original. Yeah, go go Isn't to it also wherever. On Netflix? It's on Netflix. Yeah, just it, go watch I it. I have the, the little right Blu-ray box. Set. Go watch the cartoon if you want it. This is live action, so no, there aren't going to be as many dumb jokes. Maybe your local no. library has it, copies of the DVD. Uh, right, Aang we is. Should do that. Well, we did, and then they disappeared. Um, oh, and, uh, well, that's Aang, good enough. Aang is not going to be, you know, a an animated version of Aang. That's not how that works. He should be funny, and he should be creative. If I don't see two of those things, I'm going to be pretty upset. But. I'm not upset at the trailer. Anyway, all of that was a long <laughs> boiling up point to say that a common ship in that universe, in that universe. from people who don't know anything. Um, it, Are you talking about A, a common ship is, yes, Zuko <laughs> and, and, and Katara, which I just, I, every time I hear it, I'm just like, I, I can't. To be honest, I, I, I can see were, it. But this is... The, so I can Zuko. see why it's a ship. I just, one of my big issues with ships in general is that people don't understand that it ain't just cute because you put it together. That's not how romance in stories works. No, that's how fan fiction works. That's Yes, that's how in real life, mm-hmm. it's a whole crap bag, right? It's whatever. Right, right. But in a romance story, uh-huh. the reason this character is with this character and we love it mm-hmm. is because it was well thought out. It was planned. It was procedured. It was... You were forced to feel that way. So if you feel other things about mm-hmm. other characters, you're not wrong necessarily. Right. Even though if you think Zutara is a good idea, you're wrong. Um, I just like the fan fiction because sometimes they make really good. I mean, yeah, but was... like that's a different. Like that's different. Like so. I mean, if Zuko hadn't been responsible for the massacre of her race and then was like, also, I'm going to add to that by killing the Avatar. Sure, I'd be fine with it. Except he was. And yes, redemption arc. Redemption yes. arc. And I will say there were moments of 
closeness, vague closeness with them. With they had like series. two episodes. I'm just saying, I know. I'm just saying, I get why people feel that way because were, you put them. Yeah, they were a couple. No, of but this, but that's a, that's the point. The seeds were not there. Okay. Right. The seeds were not there. People want the seeds to be there based off of things that are happening in the story that have to happen in a certain way with certain characters that don't happen the same way if you're creating a romantic arc. The creation of a romantic arc within a story is much more j- difficult than if you're just going to create a romance, right? Listen, if there were snippets there, I think they would have... It's one of the reasons that we make like... fun of George Lucas for right. writing terrible romance, because he actually writes terrible romance. He has no idea how to create a build. Anakin and Padme only happened because we all knew that Darth Vader has to have kids, right? So what's Because the, of the bomb what, drop that yeah. was given to us, like, at the very right. so the like, first... What's the, what's the easiest way to make that happen, right? Well, you make him fall in love, right? Okay, fine, fine. So Anakin falls in love before he goes to the dark side. Great opportunity for a tragic love story that falls apart, and then she's pregnant. Oh, the whole thing, right? Could have worked the same way that it did. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. He starts it off... <laughs> with him as a child. Yeah. And her as a child. But she's a child ruling a country, a planet. So... She's like a teenager. Too, yeah, she's 14. Right? She's like 10, so she's like 10 years he's, older. No, he's 9 and she's 14. Mm-hmm. That's the... And that's why when people are like, oh, so why, it's fine. why would she fall in love with a boy when Obi-Wan Kenobi's right there? And I'm like, because Obi-Wan Kenobi's 10 years older than her. Right. As a Padawan. He's not looking at her at all. Also, here's the word... If anybody was like Jedi to a T, it's Obi. Yeah, right. So, like, yeah, so definitely barking up about? the wrong tree for many reasons. But but here's the problem: is that you get into episode two, and this man child who is 18, <laughs> 19, gets off the elevator and acts like a man child in front of sure she's twenty four, but she's also been a senator for ten years after making sure her planet didn't die at fourteen. She's not exactly going to look at that guy and be like, oh, he'd be cute. Like, <laughs> no, he's cute until he opens his mouth. And then it's like, oh. And then he does none of the work that you need to do. Because by the time you get to that first kiss, mm-hmm. on like in the, with the beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, on the mm-hmm. villa, whatever. I have a friend who actually went to her friend's wedding at that villa Ooh. last year. I know, I'm mad. Anyway, so like the, and the dress and the I don't like sand, whatever, right? I don't like sand is not a bad piece of dialogue from a kid who grew up on a sand planet and who was a mechanic. It is bad dialogue when he's trying to use that as a way to kiss when her, he's which he's going to do riz, a second It's like a horrible riz. Like, that was a failure. It was so bad. And that's why we make fun of George Lucas, because he does the same thing in the original trilogy. I don't care what how you slice it. The I love you, I know only works... Because they've been kissing the whole movie and backbiting each other the whole movie. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's a moment that works. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, string together the number of scenes that they have in that movie to create a romance arc, it's a crap romance arc. It's not even an arc. It's like... And that line was improvised. And it was improvised. So exactly. Exactly. But there's... I mean, I will give Irving Kirshner, like, credit. He knows how to shoot a film mm-hmm. in a way that convinces you so that when you get to that line, you are pretty convinced. But no, he doesn't get nearly. Okay, but Tony, do you actually? Because <laughs> we went from Zutara yeah. not exactly being the ship because there's actually so like, nothing yeah, okay, canon yes, in there, which which reminds me like Germani, like because I was literally just saying like that. That's also like it works in fan fiction, and this is like also like Dreary, which I understand. 
his Draco hair. I mean, I no, no, do and no, I no, don't. No, no. I'm no, like, so it works in <laughs> fan fiction where because Tony, fan fiction rules are you can slap anyone together. And I know, it works. I know. I it just feel like matter. I feel I'm like literally if you're, gonna, if you're gonna Batman and Talia every couple that you come across in every universe that you love, right. Why don't you just no, have no, Batman no. and Talia? I mean, that's no, like, no, no, no. so well, like, yeah. but there's no actual like, and that's like fan fiction rules. Is like, yeah, like you can slap characters together and you can pair them together and it's great. But when you look at the canon, you have to be aware that yeah, that's not exactly going to happen because of the fact that like there are certain things like no. to go basically murdering her whole entire tribe at one point. I mean, and, yeah, um, that would be like, like Princess Leia shacking up with Grand Moff Tarkin. That's Why? Like, Why? That's, he just blew that's, up Alderaan. That's like, that's like <laughs> Draco's like part of like you know the evil. Yeah, um, death I mean, Draco's a, Draco is here, a Death Eater at yes, one point. And like, then you have Hermione, who's a Muggleborn. You really think that yeah, like, that's actively not, going like, to work? And like, I get it. Like again, Batman and Talia, right? Batman and Cat. Okay, let's just not even Batman and Talia. Let's go with Batman and Catwoman, okay, right? I'm because I have I have this argument with people <laughs> all the time because people get really uppity and think that they know some stuff about Batman. I'm like, hold up. So you're saying you didn't like Batman and Catwoman in Name Any Example. Oh, they just don't work. Okay, I'm Doesn't sorry. Doesn't she literally just steal stuff to get his attention? Batman and Catwoman have been doing this since the 30s, okay? Yeah. So talk to decades. Talk to American writers who have been doing this for 100 years. You mean to tell me you really think the Batman and Catwoman don't work together? And doesn't she steal... That's the whole basis she, of their relationship. And she steals stuff to get his attention sometimes. And he goes And he goes every her. single now, time. Now, there are more nuanced versions of that that have come right. across, and then there are less nuanced versions. Right. We can talk about that. But Batman, Batman and Catwoman were designed to be a dysfunctional, almost relationship. Yes. He would totally be with her... Except she's a thief, and he can't be and Batman. That doesn't, and, and then be Brett, with, that like, breaks his like code of ethics it, it's completely. And like then you then you upgrade it and you go to Talia. I mean, she's the daughter of the guy who lives the League of Shadows, and then she's in the League of Shadows, and she's like a super spy, and then he ends up having a kid with her. It's not supposed Was to it? be romantic. It's toxic. I the same thing with Joker and um, Harley. Harley, I. Oh, then what do you so, think about Poison Ivy, Harley? Is there a relationship that actually works out in the world of Batman? No. Yes, <laughs> Dick and Barbara, all day long. If you are, if Dick Grayson ends up happily ever after with anyone else, the writer probably prefers him with Starfire. Um, but everyone knows that he's only interested in Starfire because Starfire is hot. Starfire knows that he's interested in Starfire because Starfire is hot and she's from another planet. So she's like, sure, I'll be your high alien princess. Until he's like, wait a minute, I'm in love with Barbara. Like, he's always in love with Barbara Gordon. That's the Like, whole... that's their whole entire shtick. Yes. Like, it's their yes. whole thing. So they work, you know, I mean. Depending, depending on, on how she becomes the Oracle. I mean, there's a whole, there's, a, there's that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, it's the two of them. But romance. We're talking about romance. Ships. I don't know. Who do you guys like? Who do you want Who to be you together? Guys like? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you're asking me questions that I can't answer. That was my rant about I romantic ships. I don't know. See, that no one needs. I come from the fan fiction world, so like basically anything could be a ship if you really wanted it to. Which I get if you're. I mean, if you're changing the world to suit no, the ship. No, so that any makes sense. any any time that like like let's say it is a ship that's like 
against the cannon. So when I was mentioning earlier, like, Jerry, and you're, like, looking at me, like, does it actually work? No, the ones no, that I read are ones that where the world has been bent in mm-hmm. a way to make it work in some way, shape, or form. Well, it has to allow for gay people who aren't Dumbledore. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> okay. So, like, that could be anything other than adding in the idea that at a certain point in time, Harry being put in a goblet of fire emancipates him, and then he goes off and does whatever he wants. That's interesting. Um, that is actually a trope. Um, <laughs> okay. Or, like, you could rearrange like a lot of things like yeah. Harry goes into Slytherin instead of Gryffindor and that opens up an avenue for things to happen right, and occur. they would know each other better. Like yeah. you could do a lot of things like that and that's something that I particularly like about fan fiction ships in general yeah. is the fact that like while I enjoy the canon <laughs> I like to look at like it's called crap ship and it's shit characters and this is like especially with like things such as like what is it called? Like, crossovers. Mm-hmm. Like, so, for example, like, I was like, okay, so if you read a crossover ship where, fic, where it's MCU and um, DC. Sure. You could cross that over, and you could pair literally anyone together and make it work in some way, shape, or form. By oh. bending it. <laughs> Tell me oh. like that? Oh. No. Honestly, only, but I've read it. only if I can get um, Peter Parker... Mm-hmm. With one of the Robins. I don't even care which one. Actually, Just to be honest, that is one. one of the ships, and it's usually either uh, Tim or Damien. It would be Tim. Tim yeah. or da- Damien, depending on... Damien would kill Peter Parker on sight. I know. Because he just does... That's his response to but anything like, he finds less I know most of the time it's usually Tim. <laughs> that makes um, sense. Tim. Tim's and it just one. makes a lot of sense, and I think it works pretty well, depending on the version of the crossover. And old enough... A Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker with Jason Todd could be... It could work. Actually kind of savage and adorable at the same time. Like, it could be... Team Red, Peter Parker with Jason Todd. Team Red, Peter Parker is when he teams up with Daredevil and um, DP. Oh. That Peter Parker with... Working with those two and then, like, who is it? Felicia? Hardy? She's one of his uh, Peter Parker's canon ships. At this oh, point. okay, yeah, yeah. I... She's mo- She's in the game. Oh. She's in the game. I haven't played. But I know she's also in the comics as well. Like it's a whole probably. Time. Yeah. I just don't remember exactly who she is. I think she's Black Cat. Sure. Sure. I don't remember. Not even gonna look it up <laughs> at this point. But like, fan fiction, I can chip whatever I want. It's yeah, right. Which there. is the whole point. Yeah. But like, I yeah. can also bend the universe to do things such as your coffee shop AUs or. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, see, that I think is... I love the idea of that. Like, no. So that is what a lot of, like, the canon bending ships can do. Yeah. Is, like, they will put them in those, like, type of situations. Yeah. Or they will bend the canon to suit what is going on. Like, in a way... But, like, the well-written ones are ones where they put it in a certain point in the story. Yeah, that makes sense. And it seamlessly just flows in with the canon. Yeah, And with certain... So do you have a favorite ship? Um, when I was a kid, my favorite ship was Boma and Vegeta. I wish I knew what that meant. That's Dragon Ball. I know Vegeta. Who's the other person? <laughs> yeah, Boma, his wife. 
He literally marries her at some point. Oh, okay. They have a character named Trunks together. Like, they have a child who ends up being, like, one of the main characters at some point. So it's not so much a ship as in it just actually happens. It actually happens. Like, but it was, like, a good... It's a good ship. I have a ship. Um... And then... When I I was a kid, I really liked... Um... I don't remember his name, but it's from Tokyo Mimu, and the main character's name is Ichigo, and then there's, like, this evil character, and he's not exactly that evil, he's just kind of anti-hero-esque, mm. and they are really well-shipped together, and it's really, really cute and adorable, and I like it, but, like, outside of that, I tend to ship sometimes the canon ship, like, I was Sasuke yeah. Sakura from, like, day one I Naruto, totally which everyone wanted. hated me for, but I was like, listen, it's a thing, and I can see it happening, and lo and behold, it happened. I want all of the Sailor Scouts <laughs> to be in a polycule. <gasps> yes, please. Because I feel like that's just, I mean, Sailor Moon is already crushing on half of the girls anyway. Her and Sailor Yuri is like, like the whole entire thing like, at this point. But like, she's like stupidly in love with, what's his name? Tuxedo Mask slash Prince of Demian. Which I get it. Amori? Yeah, like she's in love with him, and I get it. That's that's a whole thing. It works. He, the writer makes it work. I think it's wonderful. But I'm like, but in an alternate universe. Oh no, there's so many fan fictions that it's tot- I'm sure there are because <laughs> the creator is bi and was always telling people that she's bi. And in the original manga and also into Harka Crystal, and she's constantly making like bisexual references mm-hmm. and then a, they're one of, a couple of the girls actually do it. no no so uh, Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune yeah who, right who I never remember the names one is Haruga or something ah, um, and I don't I remember, remember her other name I'm gonna look it up don't they all live in a house together anyways or no I haven't seen it or read it so I'm okay yeah no they don't live in a house they could just go to school together so those two are actually in a relationship in the manga, manga. and the Japanese version of the anime. Mm -hmm. Um, They are together. It is a whole entire thing. And those two particularly, if I remember right, because like all the girls are like some form of high schooler, those two are older than the rest of the girls in the idea. I think they're like third years going into college. And then Pluto is like significantly older than them. Which makes sense. Like, she's, like, already, like, professional in whatever she's doing. Yeah. Um, But Uranus and Neptune are together in that form. Yeah. However, in the Viz dub, not the current Sailor Moon Crystal, because I don't know if they've actually, like, reached that point yet. Mm. But uh, in the Viz dub of Sailor Moon, which is the original one that was 90s, 2000s, that you'd see after school on Cartoon Network. um, In Mm. that version, they're actually cousins, because um, America it was had, Americanized. It was Americanized, but they had some... It was a weird censorship thing at yeah. the time. And they did this a lot because in Cardcaptor Sakura, which mm-hmm. is another, like, girly kind of manga, um, the main character, Sakura, um, in the Americanized dub version, they changed, like, a whole bunch of character names in the first place, which I absolutely hated. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. um, the main character, her mom was a student, and her dad was, like, the professor or the teacher in high school. This was, like, a high school thing. Mm-hmm. She fell in love with the dad, like, the teacher. Yeah. In the they sh- got together. She dropped out of school. Um, and then had, you know... The kids. Yeah. Um, and there's like a huge age difference between her and uh, her brother, but that's like a different thing. But her 
they they say it's her cousin, like Tomoyo, who's like her best friend, is her cousin. But in actuality, like I think they are cousins because it's Jap- Japan. You can do like cousin marriage and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, she is act. She hates Tomoyo's mom. Hates the dad because she was in love with Sakura's mom. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Which is got a whole it, got it, got it. Okay, got it. I was and, like, wait, what? <laughs> and it gets even worse because, like, in the American dub version, one of the fourth graders, because they're, like, fifth grade, <laughs> um, is actually in love with the teacher, and it's, like, a well-known plot point because there is quite literally an episode, because there's cards that Sakura has to go find and, right. and put back into her father's, like, little study in the book. Mm-hmm. One of the cards literally takes over the relationship between the teacher and the student. Not in a bad way. Okay. Like, it's like a Valentine's Day episode, so she's giving him, like, gifts and all this sure. stuff, and it's, like, horrible. Oh, um, my. Oh, So, my. like, that's a thing that wasn't exactly put in the Americanized dub, and then also the fact that Tomoyo was also in love with Sakura at the point. And I'm like, there are 12! Yeah. Why are we shipping this? I mean, you know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Problematic stories is another no, podcast No, the whole episode. entire show is problematic. Yes. But it's great that's another at the show. same time. Um, and I'm like, why was this put on Kids Show Network when I was a child? I mean, you know. Um, Grant, do you have any ships? No. No? I've, why I not? Have, I have a ship that you will not be surprised to hear is a ship. Okay. Um, and I'm not entirely sure it wasn't meant for us to think of this as a ship but for me it's all about guts and griffiths oh, oh, oh okay me too and if yeah yeah <laughs> right and like and like I, I i like the idea that guts is but you know is by actually i like the idea that they're both by um because that just makes sense more i mean me. we know for a fact that griffith well it, 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 was, a, it was a situation he, he, he yeah but we'll, 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 read, yeah. Read, read, read the thing watch the show yeah right yeah i don't know i don't know about that yeah that okay. was weird Where i feel like uh, Berserk. Oh yeah, yeah, that's why I don't know anything. So, <laughs> so I feel like I feel like I like the idea of I like the story, or at least the Golden Age arc. To me, bears out the re- the idea that Guts is most likely by. Mm-hmm. We see him have, and I won't say who it is. We see him have relations with a woman. Um, but his. The relationship between Guts and Griffiths, for people who don't actually know anything about um, what I'm about to tell you, there's a very, 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 very old, um, and when I say old, I mean like ancient, um, story motif that is called courtly love. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, if you go back, yes, if you go back and look at the Arthurian tales, like the early, early, early versions of Arthurian tales, they all have a bunch of courtly love aspects to them. This is where a lot of the historical romance tropes come That's from. That's where it all it's comes. Based, yes, like, all and just... courtly, courtly love is not does not start out as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it took till about like the 17th century before suddenly some that was people were querying it, and people are it's people there. now are going back, going, oh, because it was there, but. It was supposed to hide underneath, you know, the main romance or whatever. Well, it's kind so, of like where courtly love just, like, is, because it's just, like... Yes, the whole idea of courtly love is that is. you have the beautiful one, mm-hmm. the, you know, the gorgeous, and they don't do anything. Like, you never see them actually active. They're just... And they're usually some kind of lady, right? Yeah. It's it's some kind of... Um, 
eat a woman. And then... And she usually has money and that kind of thing. And then you have the knight. Yes, there's a knight. Usually, most of the time, unless he's like aroused about trying to be a knight. But knight. Aroused about trying to be a knight. The other lord who's like the overlord. And he's trying to. And he's constantly giving her gifts. And like basically. He's the one doing the wooing. Wooing all day long. Uh, Frequently, you'll see in old paintings of courtly love Mm -hmm. or depicting courtly love, you'll see a woman in fine dress, seated, looking away from him. Maybe her eyes kind of slantly like. Looking, looking in his she's direction, side-eyeing but she's him. like side eyeing him. But she's te- definitely not looking at him, and he is on his knees in like a begging posture. Like drips. Sometimes he's draped over her lap. Sometimes he's like wants to be, but he isn't. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. We've all seen that image, right? If, if you've been to any museum, we've all seen that image. That's what court. That's the basic gist of courtly love, and berserk courtly loves all over the place in the Golden Age arc. <laughs> like <laughs> my my thing is, I can definitely see it. And I got those vibes, too, when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Miura intended that reading. And it's it's hard, sure. and we'll never know now that he's passed away. Mm-hmm. Same with a lot of, you know, other authors and stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you want to watch it um, for that, it definitely works that way. I'll say that. It snuck up on me, because yeah. I didn't expect it. You know, obviously, I was like, okay, whatever. I didn't know anything, except it's probably going to be violent. <laughs> um, which, it that, it, which it was. Which it was. But, you know, that, that, it was fine. The, the entire setup, all, now, you want to talk about a romance arc well done. That's a romance. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, I don't even have to ship them. That's how well the romance arc is done. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, we all know, right? We know. Yeah, they're together. Like, it's a thing. Because, and it even ties into the end of the Golden Age arc, which I will not spoil. But there's a moment where it, so much is happening all at once. And... For the first time in the entire plot, Guts physically cannot do anything. And that's his entire character. It's a very hard scene to watch for multiple reasons. Yeah, it cuts so many different ways. And part of the reason it does that is because the plot is pushing you by hook or by crook to believe in Guts and Griffith. I mean, everyone around them is even kind of just like... It, like, like, it's a it's a whole thing. Now, of course, Griffiths can do things like uh, play this weird courtly love relationship with the princess of the kingdom, but no one says like, oh, wouldn't they make a good couple? Even his like companions. No, all of his companions are going. Eh, that's how he's going to become king. Yeah, like even that is something where they're not like going. Oh yeah, we know he's straight. He's totally going to get the hottest girl in town because he's Griffith, right? No, that's not how they frame it. So even then, it's like. Yeah, what's what's going on here? Yeah, and there's just a lot of stuff with uh, Griffith's character where you wonder how much is a power play, how much is genuine. Yes. How much yeah. he cares about people. Yeah. Which, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. It's, it's a very interesting dynamic. It is. It's certainly not the kind of... And I think that's the other thing that, like, if since we're talking about romance, that I would like to, like, sort of hit this nail right on the head for people. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to inspire you. Romance novels are not supposed to inspire you. Romance movies, television shows. Every time, every time I hear people a say, "A certain previous cast member of this podcast thing, might throw." I agree with that. So maybe, I hear maybe that, I'm getting but... opinions mixed up. Because were you the one that was big on a romance story has to end happily with a yes? It has to be yes. In order for it to be considered a conventional romance story, it has to. Conventional is the it, key word. Yes, here, it has to have a happily ever after mm-hmm. or a happily for now. Otherwise, it's not... You, to publish it as a romance novel would be a farce. It would be wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, 
when I'm cataloging them, for example, like let's yeah. say I'm putting a tat, a sticker on it. So the first thing I do when I catalog them is I open up the back of the book. And the reason that I open up the back of the book is if it ends with a kiss or like something like that and like it doesn't even have to be the two main characters it could just be like let's say the main two main characters have a breakup and then main character female main character Mm -hmm. ends up with the secondary lead instead Mm -hmm. like it's like a whole entire thing if the characters one if there's an epilogue like Mm -hmm. i go before the epilogue just in case because i know some people don't like to read those uh, just in case. Yeah, no, that's true. So if that end right before the epilogue ends in some type of like kiss or hug or engagement or wedding. they are going somewhere. I'm on a double to, wedding. <laughs> or if they are going somewhere together, like on yeah. a vacation or something yeah. like that, I consider that to be kind of like a happy ending. And then I go look at the epilogue. And if it's even more of a happy ending, because I will read the epilogue because it's usually like two pages. Yeah. If it seems happy, I will slap a romance sticker on it. However, if it involves, like, let's say if it's romance and it's historical fiction, but, like, this is also, like, World War II. Outlander. I'm, I'm Outlander. I know that, like, while the romance is there, it's not exactly plot A. Yeah, if not usually. If it's not yeah. plot A right. in this, like, yeah, it's written as romance and everyone knows it's a romance. If it's not written as the romance is the main plot of the whole entire thing... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to add the sticker to it, and it's why. So it's one of the reasons that I mean, you know, fantasy I romances are difficult point, for me to catalog. I now always point to Howl's Moving Castle as the quintessential romanticy beginning book. Yes, that's that. I mean, there were. I mean, probably there were there romanticy are some books before that. I mean, Lord of the Rings is a but like is a total romanticy. That, but don't but get me started on Frodo and Bilbo. Like the big like <laughs> crazy plot, the main plot that the main, starts yes, with the, yes. is. Sophie's turned into an old lady. Let's try to get her out. Of it. Yes, which yes, the romance leads into the romance yes. later, but it's not plot A. It's plot B. Yes, yes, and it's because, a, because it's it is plot... a major. It is a major plot arc. The romance arc resolves plot A. Yes, everything else. But like because yeah. there is more than just like the romance. Yeah, because you yeah, have Sophie's problem, and then you have Howell's problem, yes. you have Calcifer's problem. So you turnip. um you even have yeah, turnip. you have the turnip, you have the um little boy who uh, Francis boy whose name I remember is it Michael? No, Michael is his name in the movie and I wanna punch Miyazaki every time because it's not his name. Uh, but like you have like all of those characters and they all have And they all have their problems. problems. Even Sophie's sisters, siblings and so on, they have their own problems that yeah. have to be resolved. And so everything's resolved within the same chapter. Um in a very Jane Austen kind of way, which is the point. And like that again is like it's the conventional romance arc ending thing. Just because the story has a romance in it, however... Just because there's a ship in there doesn't mean that it's actually romance. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, I mean, we're using Berserk, but also using Romeo and Juliet. They're called tragedies. For a reason. But in order to, you know... Gross. In order for a tragedy (laughs) to work, you have to spin this... You have to tell the story, right? We have to believe in these people. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that they're not going to die tragically in the end so that when they are dying tragically in the end, you're a mess. That's the whole function. But they're not not what we would call romances today just because they're not, you know, 
They're talking cataloging they fantasy. Well. They don't end well. Fantasy romances. <laughs> I don't add romance stickers to those specifically because I know for a fact that there's like multiple plot points. If it's well written. But it, even a fantasy, yeah. ro- even a romance, you know, anything that they're calling these romanticies now, so that's what I'm calling them. Great. Um, I have complex feelings about it, but that's fine. Um, but, you know, <laughs> a romanticy needs to end happily. Even yeah. if it's just otherwise happily it's for now. Otherwise, it's not a romantic. Otherwise, otherwise, it's not a romantic. Exactly. It's it's a fantasy with a romance in it, which that happens all the time. That's I mean, again, that is Lord of the so Rings. So many fantasies okay. in general. Like, <laughs> there's, there's there are several romances in Lord of the Rings. That's because it's a big story with a lot of you know things. I know people are not ready for the Frodo Bilbo Bilbo discourse, but it's not new. Go to the internet. Okay, talk to people smarter than me. It's Frodo famous. Bilbo discourse. Oh, not Frodo Bilbo. That'd be a whole other. thing. That would be a whole other thing. <laughs> Frodo Sam. Jeez, oh, I don't even. Actually, like, I do like. Are you missing, anyway, like, yes, the Frodo and Sam. But no, there's. But I mean, there's there's other. You know, like um, Tom Bombadil and is it Glorfindel? I don't know. What is Tom's wife? He, uh, it's I can't remember. I just remember they like to dance and stuff. Yes, no. Tom, even Tom and his wife have a really Mary something. Mary do Mary. Do yeah, something like I feel terrible that I don't remember her name, but that's also a Tolkien thing. Anyway, <laughs> so there's. I mean, there's stuff there, right? You know, but I don't care how you cut it, slice it, dice it. Pl- Sam, Sam and Rosie are, are not a romance. I'm sorry. They they get together. They have the children. They're not a romance because. He's not around her the whole book. <laughs> he doesn't even say bye to her before they leave Hobbiton. He just leaves. <laughs> it's not a romance. So all of that long, winding ridiculousness is... What was I saying? I was saying something about romance. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Romance is unhappily... But even with that, they're not guides to your life. Right. It's fiction. Stuff is going to go wrong at certain points. If it, it doesn't, and, and has to in if, fiction. Exactly, the number of times fiction people will say things conflict. like, people will say things like, "Well, Ross and Rachel are not goals. They're not supposed to be. They're on a sitcom. Stuff is gonna go wrong. They're not a good couple. That's the whole point of Ross and Rachel." Now, you know, Monica and Chandler, I think, are a wonderful couple. But your life is not going to go the way that Monica and Chandler's life went. You're not just going to wake up, you know, one day and be like, "Hey, my best friend looks cute today." So, you know, anyway. I could go on forever about that. <laughs> it's my big spiel. All right. Is there any trope that you could throw out the window? Like trope? Like yeah, a romance have, trope? Yeah, have you seen romance tropes? Like, a lot of things lately are, like, written to, like, romance tropes now, which... Well, of course of they are. I mean, if, if I could throw anything out, that's what I would throw out. I, the fact that we're writing to tropes? No, the fact that every... Every plot is written to a romance trope because that's not how tropes work. It really, really irritates. And, and this is, I blame television for this because books tropes. weren't, <laughs> no, TV really, tropes. books were not doing it's this. Books were not doing this even 10 years ago, even right. at the height of like Hunger Games ish, YA, and all that kind of stuff where we're blending things. We're still blending book tropes because that's what Hunger Games did is that mm-hmm. Suzanne Collins, even though she worked in TV, she was blending book things. These people today writing, and I'm not just talking about YA, I'm talking about all the people. These little Sarah J. Mosses and Rebecca Yaroses <laughs> and all these people. I have not really read them, I but I to. know the type, okay? I've seen the plot lines. I've heard your people talk about them. I get it. I understand it. I cannot stand that. Like, I'm sorry. If you're going to write a romance, write a romance. If you're going to write a romantic fantasy, sure, write a, do, do that. The minute you start putting in, like, random like spies I'm sorry if you're gonna do that go watch anime for five years and then do it because then I will trust that you are capable of handling it because that's the one place in the world where they're handling it 
like insanely awesome. well. Were they able to balance all that? Yes, stuff? because yes. that's because because that's how anime works. It has worked that way for like, seven centuries. It works on stereotypes and tropes. Like that is how anime functions. Yes, but their stereotypes and tropes are so different than ours that yeah. it looks like they're blending our tropes. And it's like, no, they're not blending our no. tropes at all. They don't even care about our tropes. They're gonna steal our knights and our castles and our people. Right, sure. but they're going to do their own thing. But they're going to do their own thing with it. So, you know, yeah. Because yeah. there's, like, so many just, like, random, like, romance tropes, and I'm just, like, standing, staring at them, just going. So if I could do it, yes. If I could do it with a, with a trope, I would do away with the let's write everything to a romance plotline trope, even though there's no romance in the book. It's a fantasy or a sci-fi or a whatever. It's like, no, your dystopia doesn't need to be written to romance spec, because it's not even going to end happily. People? <laughs> Granted. You know, my, my answer was so much more simpler because I just don't like pregnancy tropes in books. Yeah. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith should have all As a way for stupid. a plotline to get the two characters together, I just don't like that. Oh, oh, you know what? You should watch. You should watch Catastrophe mm-hmm. because that is the that is literally... Is it going to make me mad? <laughs> it's going to infuriate you for four seasons, but it's 20 <laughs> minutes episodes, so you keep watching. It is so funny. So the basic, basic, basic premise is this um, American business guy goes over to um, the UK for a Uh business trip, hooks up with this Irish girl. They're like, good times, awesome. He leaves to go back home because business trip is over. She's a school teacher. Baby. She's pregnant. And she's like, I don't even know how to let this man know. And they like, I can't remember if she has his number out by accident or something or she and they end up running into each other um like a month later or something and she says to him like oh by the way we're expecting a child and he's like wait hold up what and they literally he like proposes to her by episode two and they've only known each other for like three months and it's and she's like slow your roll i will allow you to help you pay for this baby though if you really feel you've got to do something it is Utterly insane. I feel like for TV it works. It works. Like, it was it Carrie worked. Fisher's last television role. But because she plays books, his mom. But for books, it's like <laughs> funky because like yeah. books will turn around and they'll do it. But like they do it specifically as a like trope to like let people in to like get the two characters together, like yeah, in I the think, next page. And I'm just like, yeah, I think uh, books haven't really handled that. They well don't handle it well at all. Um, not to say that the show necessarily did. I just thought it was funny. You just thought it was funny. Yeah, it's a scream. Why? Well, we did it, guys. We solved the mystery of love. We uh, <laughs> the case is closed. I think what we did, if Jen ever listens to this, is what's going on.